So I was hoping Alex would be here this week so we could talk about this, and I, I, I have a question I need him to answer that like is going to come off when I ask him it incredibly condescendingly, but <laughs> I, I don't. I, it needs to be asked, and basically, it's has Alex just never eaten a um fresh glazed donut before eating the one from KFC? I think that's an important question to ask anybody. Yeah, it's. <laughs> so I I have eaten I I have now gone out I have not tried the uh, baconator breakfast sandwich yet I I did not put the time and effort in to track it down I may actually do that today after this podcast because mm. I make poor life choices but <laughs> I I did make a point to eat the KFC donut chicken sandwich and oh. I, I I have been changed fundamentally as a person because <laughs> of this sandwich. But, like, not in a, it was a good experience. Like, I got a third of the way through that thing and just felt an inrush of shame and existential dread. Like, that thing is the Lovecraftian equivalent of a sandwich. Like, you eat that and, like, you suddenly, like, question, like, what brought you to this point in time? Like, how did life get this dark? Is there a god? Like, as you're chewing this donut, like, it's two donuts with a fucking piece of chicken between it. And you're like, man, I need to make some changes in my life. Like, I, I have never been closer to suicide, I think, than I was when I finished that thing. I have never felt worse in my entire life than when I fucking ate that sandwich. Like, I felt medically worse, but mentally I was just in the darkest place possible because of that fucking thing. It's it's like our our never-ending battle to see just how many shitty calories we can pump into a single serving of food. Well, that's to say, like, I've eaten food that I would define as wronger. There is <laughs> something horrific like not wrong about the kfc chicken donut sandwich thing it's whatever it's what i expect from kfc at this point it's what yeah. it does to you as a person as you <laughs> sit in a cake i'll break this one down i go up i order it they hand it you can get a combo it can come with fucking fries <coughs> and then they hand it to you and the lady who gave it to me is like is this all you're getting and i'm like yes it's a sandwich and she goes okay People normally get more food to go with that. I'm like, I got what? fucking, fr I got fries to go with a deep fried chicken donut sandwich. Calorie wise, I'm good for the rest of the week. Morality wise, there's no more food in your <laughs> restaurant as far as I'm concerned. I, yeah, I'm not sure there's any coming back from that. Yeah, it's I, like once you've crossed that boundary, you're. It's like you're not walking back now. I got up from my desk to go get lunch, walked into here on a mission to eat this. I ate it, and the first thing you do is make me question my decisions leading up to this point. Like, and to be fair, they have a version of this that's two donuts and like three hunks of chicken. And having eaten this, anyone that th gets that needs to be checked into an insane asylum. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's. Oh. Yeah, so I, just... I, I'm eating this by myself in a KFC because I don't like. I was too ashamed of this thing to take pictures of it. Like I'm like I, I'm eating something that should not exist. Like this is what eating a unicorn feels like. I think like <laughs> you're profaning the universe by ingesting of the flesh of the KFC donut sandwich. It's just it it it's the one thing that can make you question so much at the same time. You know, it's it's even beyond the. What brought us to this point? 
There's there's existential questions here. I, I now believe in God and also that God is dead. Like this is proof <laughs> of God's demise. That this thing exists. Like this isn't even the work of Satan. This is the work of like the collective nihilistic of the universe coming together and making the true god of atrophy and decay. Like Nurgle from fucking like Warhammer was at my table being like, dude. You don't have to do this, but do it. It's kind of like chaos in a sandwich. Yeah, this was not even just chaos. Like, this was a thing of pure nihilistic decay. Like, (laughs) no fewer fucks have been given by me than when I got, like, when I had my moment a third of the way through where it's like, you can stop eating this right now. And my brain went, Fuck it, I paid for it, I'ma finish it. I guess the last question is, how did it taste? Not as other good. Than, uh, like, other than, like, nihilism? I, to Alex's point, the donut parts are good. It's a shit sandwich. Like, it is, like, I, I've never wanted them to be like, oh, would you like lettuce and tomato on a donut before in my entire life? But, like, anything like that would have made this more of a sandwich. Like, just, I, I, I this should be bad. Like, I, this, the Hague should be informed this thing exists. I guess it's kind of like a a, a bit of an, ex- like, it reminds me of the sort of waffle and fried chicken thing, which is also I'm a popular thing. I'm fine with that one. That one's which delicious. Is a little, which is a little different because usually it's not like waffle sandwich chicken. I, I've it's even just- had that. Like, I have had from Grilla Mall the burger between two fucking, like, full-size Belgian waffles. And that was whatever. This was $8 for a hate crime. I'm not <laughs> against who, but like, it's wrong. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I don't even. Well, of course, I'm not going to be eating it myself being a vegetarian, but. This I... thing made me want salad. I hate salad, <laughs> and I tracked down a salad after eating this. It's like, you need to counteract that. I don't know what with, like, go to church. <laughs> Go to church, eat a salad, like run in a in a in a half marathon, and do it all at the same time. Yeah, like I and like adopt orphans while doing it. Like you, <laughs> you need to make some changes in your life right fucking now. But yeah, that that's my thoughts on the KFC donut situation. Don't go to KFC ever again. Let my follies be your lessons. So yeah, that that that's the KFC breakfast. That, that's the KFC donut. Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode one hundred and ninety-three. It's just the gruesome twosome today, I guess. Uh, not to make light of an increasingly kind of uh, what's the right word dire situation, but. Indirectly, the coronavirus has come for Alex. He's fine. He's not sick. But uh, some of the kind of uh, things we'll be talking about, uh, things we will be talking about later in news, kind of in a weird roundabout way, apply to Alex, seeing as he works in the maybe not like what you think of as the big tech industry, but he is in the tech industry, which has been one of the ones that's been weirdly impacted stateside by this kind of from the jump, just because of hey, it's a lot of people in open offices all together breathing the same air. That might be a yeah. problem. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So I I am here. I am uh, 
Yes, this is indeed. Yes, Henry is here. Sorry, I've said that, shouldn't I have? Yeah. Uh, no, just keep them guessing for a moment. Fair. Make, 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 keep them in suspense. Finally, the solo podcast no one asked for. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, Alex is out for the week. At least, I mean, well, this week anyway. So uh, we will have to do without puns, I guess. Well, I don't know how we'll get by. I'm I'm not sure. I don't want to make the mistake I made last week, but no puns this week, huh? Hmm. <laughs> well, okay. <sighs> what have you been up to, man? Well, I I'm I haven't started watching anything new this week. But I've just been kind of continuing what I've been watching. It's mainly watching a lot of anime. Um, mm. Still watching Laid Back Camp and the spinoff Room Camp, which are... How laid back is that camp? Very. In the best way possible. It's just such a an adorably relaxed show. It is a great wind down to pretty much anything. It's like, it's something that... It's just a feel-good show in a lot of ways. It's just... It's nice. It's pleasant. And it's... It, it's it's a uh, and I do watch a lot of slice of life shows. Uh, several shows I watch, I would say. No. So uh, I watch some action stuff too, but lately I've been watching more slice of life stuff. I guess because I kind of want lighter media because we are in the weird Berenstain Bears hellscape reality, and so I got to do something to keep my mind off of it. But yeah, I haven't really watched. I haven't really started watching anything new, but. I do recommend those if you have if if you haven't seen them, they are free to watch on Crunchyroll. So I mean, it's pretty easy to find. Um, they're both on there. So uh, yeah, um, I've been playing. Well, trying to finish up the last of the Destiny Two stuff for like this season. At least good what luck to, with that. Yeah, at least what I want to finish before the end of the season. Um, I just have, some of it will stay around, like Python will be available next season for you still. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of things that are like, you know, getting certain banners, which I'm not really too concerned about collecting banners. I guess it's more of just the, I'll just get them if I'm close enough to it. Like, yeah. I'm close, close to this one banner for Gambit, so I'll, pro- yeah, I'll that, probably play some matches in Gambit today and tomorrow. Just you're talking to about try emblems, to get it. sorry, not banners. Emblems, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not banners, emblems. And so, yeah, I mean, I've, but I've done almost pretty much everything that you can do for that was season specific, that is specifically quests that say ends at the end of the season. Like this was, this will go away after the end of the season. I, all right, I gave another try at a mission that I had tried before and it just, mm-hmm. and I just realized um, it's the one in the confluence. Uh, the the sort of portal that's only open every three or four weeks or whatever. Oh, um, you mean uh, I, whisper? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's for the yeah for that thing, and yeah, I tried that again, and it just uh, it's a large map that is a jumping puzzle, and it's like, and you can get knocked off of it pretty easily because there's all sorts of enemies I can just. If I still had Stadia, I would help you run that thing, because I know how to do that thing. Because it is just fucking frustrating, because it's just like, 
I'll I'll just get knocked off somewhere by some random enemy that I either didn't see or did see and just didn't react in time. And it's just like, once you're knocked off, it's just like, well, you're resetting the entire fucking thing, which took you ages to try to let's deal with Let's try and run place. that this week, actually. If you're going to do the G-Force thing, let's try and run that at some point this upcoming week. Yeah. Is, oh, oh, that's it's, frustrating it, It's to not do every by three yourself. weeks, by the way. It's now, all, it's now active all the time. You just have to have the timing right. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, maybe it changes during the time of day or something? Nope, it's when uh, public events happen. Mm. I can help you run that thing. But yeah, that's that's frustrating. But yeah, that's yeah, that's dumb and frustrating because it's just like how far have you gotten in it? I've gotten four of the five on just the first part, and just like just and then just like I said, it's just some fucking enemy will knock me off the ledge and then restarting gotcha. literally everything because. They don't even put, like, a save point in this frustratingly dumb long jumping puzzle. There are. They're just very far apart. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just like... But just that first part takes forever. Because, for one thing, it's it's also dark as fuck, so you can't see shit. And then it's also a jumping puzzle. So, yeah, dimly lit jumping puzzle... Uh, don't put jumping puzzles in FPS. I need to take you through some raids, because that's all those fucking raids are in some ways. The dumbest fucking idea. Uh, whoever thought whoever designed thought that that was a good design FPS should just be fucking slapped. Because, holy shit, that's stupid. Especially when there's not... I mean, alright, it'd be one thing if it was like Assassin's... You know, Assassin's Creed is built to where... You can climb ledges. It's built to where parkour is a thing, and so you're pretty good at just grappling and dealing with the terrain. Oh god, it's so jumping is so shitty and bad in Destiny. It's just not good. You have stompies? Like if, yeah, I do. I'll get you through this then. Yeah, I I have stompies. Yeah, I, I actually got those only recently, not long ago. Uh, yeah, I can get you through this. Yeah, maybe I'll throw those on and the Mita multi multi tool. Stompy should be enough. Uh, there is also a possible chance that the Stompies are actually giving you too much jump. I've been using. Thing. I've been using those. All right, right then we'll now, put them on and we'll do this. We we will get this done. Yes, it is just all right. You know that's that's probably the that's been frustrating me because I want that exotic bow. It is it's for an exotic bow. I sniper yeah. rifle. Or am I thinking of another one? That's for the... No, it's Wish Ender is the what I'm thinking of. But. Wait, have you been doing Shattered Throne? No, I've been doing a couple of different things. Okay, yeah, Shattered Throne is Wish Ender. Uh, yeah, I bet because I do want Wish Ender, but I have been doing that too. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot... Oh, you're talking... I, I thought you were talking about something totally different. Um, but no, talk, but, you're talking but about I'm doing the confluence the, uh, for the sniper rifle thing, yeah. yeah. As I, it seems like a cool sniper rifle. I forget the name of it though. Whisper, is that Whisper? Or? Whisper's the one on Nessus or IO. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah. Wishender's on the Dreaming City. There's also jumping puzzle things on the Dreaming City that have yeah. to do with Wishender, but that's a separate topic. Yeah, but yeah, I've been trying to do the confluence thing because it is a thing in the quest line that I'm doing for a weapon. And yeah, the other. Uh, yeah, it's just, don't put jumping puzzles in FPS, please, because it's super dumb. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the other thing that I found out that was just that was just like a total bummer is there's one thing that I'm never going to finish because it's in a campaign mission that's missable, and you can't redo campaign missions. Uh you kind of can. What's the thing? You can't. Yeah, some some places have been. There's a couple of like places that are cycling through submission missions, but this one never. This one isn't a part of that. What is it? Like, um, gosh, I can't remember it now, but it's like a third, uh, it's, you have to get into this area that's only open during the mission, but it's not open otherwise. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't like the idea of missable stuff in any game. It's, let's just say I can think of at least two games that I've quit because of missing something that was missable. And I'm like, are you talking about outbreak? Uh, probably. Yeah, um, you can redo that mission. How? Um, you progress the quest enough, and it puts you back in that mission. Uh, I I am. I'm at no. I'm at the point where I need to do the mission again, and I can't. It should uh, be there. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So you may not have unlocked the heroic mission yet. So, uh, if it's what I think it is, you have to play through all the adventures on Titan. And then it will unlock the heroic versions of those missions, which are more replayable. Um, it's not a great system, but it's yeah, yeah. I don't remember it. Tell yeah, it tell me what quest it is, and I can help you figure this one out. It should be doable. But yeah, um, no, it's not that one. Ah, uh, there's too much stuff here. I have too many quests. Still. Yes, that's a separate topic. But yes, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just one where, um... Yeah, it's not so much that you missed it, that wasn't even unlocked, actually. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it, but I think it is missed, because I think, is it, uh, no, it's not that one. Yeah, I'm looking at my companion now, but I mean, I just, that's the thing, I, I just, in any game, with sort of, uh, yeah, in any game that has miss, I just, I, like I said, I have literally quit games because there is a missable quest in it. Um, gosh, I can't find out. I can't figure out which one it is because I have too many quests that are like one thing left that I just haven't yeah, finished. Yeah, I, I don't know of any missable. Like, I, I'm not saying it's not. I I don't know of any in this game. Like, it very well could be in there, but I suspect like and it's badly telegraphed they have a bunch of ones where it's the same mission but like a specialty version of it yeah and i have and i've and i and i have played through some of those um where yeah it was a uh yeah nope it's not that one ah gosh i can't remember it right now but in any case yeah it's just uh yeah i don't know that's that's frustrating The the other frustrating thing right now is i'm trying to get ariana's vows thing and oh god, you have to have four hundred. Well, it's a combination of pretty much any, a lot, of all the different things. But it's like yep. you have to have four hundred times, and that's that's a lot. That seems like a lot. That seems like way too much. But yeah, that's just although that seems kind of silly. But you get there eventually. Yeah. Do you unlock the catalyst yet? You're still working on unlocking it. I can't. Yeah, I haven't unlocked the catalyst yet. That's yeah, just, it's it's just fucking play activities, and you get there. I just unlocked it like two weeks ago. And the thing is, it was, since it was a last season thing, if I'd have done it last season, if I was around for last season, it would have no, gone a lot it was faster. Worse last season. 
Because you can get the quadruple speed of getting it. Um, trust me on this one, it was worse. Which was happening with Symmetry. I noticed that, like, the Symmetry, by, by Symmetry Remastered thing is going, you know, at quadruple speed because, I, you know, I'm level 60 or something yeah. in the season, so. But, yeah, ah, yeah. I guess now I'm I'm starting I'm I am in the end game. I mean I'm like I I'm at light level nine thirty, which is that's the point at which you start to grind for stuff. And yeah, you're at the soft cap, I think. Yeah, and so you start having to grind for stuff to get much above that. So, but yeah, I mean that's that's where I am in that. I mean I'm 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 so close on several things, but yeah, there's just a couple of missions that are just like. Yep. Yeah, just not quite there yet. Unfortunately, it is what it is. Yep. Yep. But I am still enjoying the general play of of Destiny Two. I'll say that. Like, it's in an general, enjoyable game. Yeah. Yeah. In general, I am. In, yeah. I'm. I mean, there's a lot about it. There's still a lot about Destiny Two that I like. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep playing it. I'm not playing it as sort of a, well, I started this, I gotta end it. No, I no, I still enjoy it. I still enjoy a lot of things about it. There's just a few things where I'm just like, uh... <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. But yeah, today I guess I'm gonna log on to Gambit, probably, and try to do some Gambit stuff. But, yep. But that's pretty much my week. I just didn't get up to too much different types of stuff. It's more of the same, I guess. Yeah. So what about you? What'd you get up to this week? Well, I also played a bunch of Destiny, and that's whatever. I that KFC thing, which was problematic. Uh, <laughs> I actually played a video game that I haven't played a bunch lately or ever before in some ways. I I checked out that Final Fantasy VII demo. Oh, yeah? I saw that was on PlayStation on play, available on PlayStation Store. So, I think I might buy the Final Fantasy VII remake when it comes out. I this is gonna sound incredibly shitty to say, and it's not intended to come off this way. I kind of wish this battle system was just used in a not Final Fantasy VII game, like because I like the battle system a lot. It's a fun system. So is it similar to the one for like what was it? I have well, heard it compared to Kingdom Hearts some, mm. in that it's it's a little mashy, but it's very active feeling, but it's got some major improvements over Kingdom Hearts, most notably, okay, this is, so follow me, this is gonna sound really fucking weird, it's actually a lot like SWOTOR's uh, Q-based system. Hmm, that's interesting. But it's not, like, it's, it's, it's live, it's real time, there's no Q, you are putting in your attacks. Cloud has two stances, basically a power stance and a regular stance. I suspect some other things will unlock as the game progresses. Uh, but so the demo has you playing as Cloud and Barrett. And the two characters play very differently because, you know, Barrett has a machine gun for a hand and Cloud has a giant <laughs> fuck off sword. And like, when they give you, so you can swap between the two characters when you're in combat, which is awesome, and Barrett's your early on heal, and magic replenishes pretty quickly, so you can tell your teammate to do things, like, with, a, with the commands, like, it's very easy to jump into 
So when you when you're playing normal, you have like a dodge, a block, your attacks, your stance, change buttons. It's a pretty like a base level action game. And then you press X to go into I'm not sure if it's full stop or just like super duper duper slow-mo mode. And you go into a menu. And that's where your items are and your spells and all that jazz. And that's where you can jump between characters and kind of like you don't you don't have to stop playing as Cloud to tell Barrett to overshot something or to cure or to cast heal on you and stuff like that. You can a totally lot, jump characters, but a lot there's there's that's become a bit an increasingly common thing in a lot of RPGs, JRPGs to be specific. Yeah. So um I'm I like the more I like it when it feels more active. Yeah. It's not like the first time like Square has played with this type of thing. I mean fourteen was like that too, as far as I remember. I didn't really play fourteen. Yeah. But uh yeah. Um yeah, I I it I like the fact that sure, I think people have nostalgia for like old classic RPG systems, but also there've been a lot of good advances since then. Well, and so you know I- what? This Why not use weird. them? <laughs> I have no nostalgia for Final Fantasy VII. Like, if we're talking like favorite Final Fantasy games, I like Nine a lot because it had gun swords. That's edge lordy as fuck. And I always thought Cloud was kind of a whiny emo bitch. Like I'm talking about eight, you mean? Yeah, sorry, eight. eight. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Yes, and like the whole yeah. order of the whole idea of like combat orphan school was dumb, but kind of cool. Also, like the way that yeah, your income came from. I have a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a really interesting way of doing it. I just, but there's, but anyways, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think it's telling to say that. Yeah, definitely. If you don't, you like it not for has nothing to do with the nostalgia. That's pretty meaningful. Yeah, and, and like the honest. game is legit challenging. So up uh, the, the at least so far, I played the demo. I played no more of this game. So whatever like the boss you fight in the demo like it's i didn't die to it but i totally could have kind of thing and that's and like not just from standing still but like i had to play i had to play good like i had a lot of i I had so much more fun playing this than i expected to and that's where i go back to my man i just kind of wish this was a game and not a final fantasy 7 remake and it definitely borrows my impression a lot from Final Fit from not from Final Fantasy from Kingdom Hearts. So I'm sure the Kingdom Hearts fans are like, just play Kingdom Hearts already, Charlie. Stop fucking hating on our favorite game. And no, I'm still gonna hate on your favorite game because it still sucks. <laughs> it's still a creepy, weird game that's for like the development cycle for that is hell. But I am genuinely excited now for Final Fantasy VII remake and. I never thought I'd get there. Where like, if Jeff was here, he'd be like, "Fuck yeah, Final Fantasy VII remake," and I'm like, "Yes, that cloud, that that game with the cloud strife and the Tifa and other characters that weren't easy to cosplay, so no one does." <laughs> does Aerith die in this one still? Who knows? Probably. Yeah, I guess. And the funny thing is, I guess in sort of an opposite sense. Because of my, I guess, the fact that I did play it. I mean, I still own it. I still have my copy of it. Um, of the of Final Fantasy VII for the place for the PlayStation. And I don't really have a huge desire to play the game, I guess, because I already know it. I already know everything. So, or I, I mean, 
obviously it's going to have some new stuff. But yeah. It's not really enough new for me to want to play it. I don't, I just, I guess in a certain sense, I only have so much time to play video games. And I kind of want to spend more time playing st- something that's actually new to me than sort of retreading ground I've already done, even though obviously they've overhauled it and met, pull, pulled it into the modern era. Probably also, you know, massaged the story a bit, you know, filled it in a bit more, I'm guessing. But yeah, I guess yeah, I just don't really have a, uh, a strong sense of wanting to play it precisely because I I played it in the back in the day. But yeah, but sounds cool. Sounds I mean, it sounds like it has yeah, a I'm, good, good I'm modernized system. I'm excited for those system. that care about this game, like because I I defendably had fun playing this game. I know I always sound like an asshole when I say shit like that, and I do apologize, but like. I expected to come into this podcast being like, yeah, that Final Fantasy VII remake, it's a game. And my response is, no, I, it's a game. It's fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> I can, I, if that demo is indicative of what the rest of that game is going to be, I am potentially very excited for that game. I do wish they'd start, like, putting the part one that is that thing actually actuality in that game's title because they are not doing a great job of advertising the fact this is like part one of unclear how many. Hmm. Yeah. But we'll see. We shall see indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Time for news, I guess. Sure. News. News. <laughs> Let's start with something light and fluffy. Uh. This past week, the PS2 turned 20 years old. Feel old yet? Uh, I have been feeling old for a long time. Already. Sure. I was just talking about my PlayStation 1 game. So, yeah. Yeah, it's weird to think in that terms, yeah. I guess on that same vein of things, that we finally have a release for what I'm going to call the last big release for the PS4. Like, this is the the swan song of the PS4 of you, if you will. Uh, Ghosts of Tunisia. Uh, Tunisia? I'm sure I'm butchering Su- that. Tsushima. Wow, I'm off it this morning. Uh, Tsushima, yeah, I, I didn't even know how to pronounce that. I've said it right before. We have a release date for it, and a cool-ass trailer that looks really fucking cool. Uh, it's coming out June 26th, just in time for E3 to be over. Mm. Do we think E3 is happening still? I. That's tough to tell. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, with everything else going on that says it shouldn't even exist at all, as we've as we've discussed at length here, I don't know. It's I was like, just talking like coronavirus keeps canceling shit left and right. Like, yeah, like fucking South by Southwest just got canceled then. And that is way fucking bigger. Yeah, I mean, there's the population of of not the greater Austin area, not Austin around Rock, but the population of Austin doubles during South by Southwest. Yeah. Literally doubles the population of the city during that time, so that's massive that they canceled that. It also means a big financial hit for a lot of people in the city, too. Yeah. A lot of people make a lot of money during that, during South by. So... Back to Ghost of Tsushima for a second. Uh, Yeah. We finally kind of have some definitive idea of what that game may be. It's definitely channeling some hard 
Tenchu vibes and just some mm. real slick samurai action. Uh, you're more the Japan buff than I am, Henry. Was there a time period where they got invaded by the Mongols? Where Japan got the Mongols, invaded by the Mongols? L- Mongols literally went everywhere. Fair enough, yeah. So the game seems to take place during that time period. I, I, I've only watched trailer a couple times about either they're saying Mongols or Mongrels. I'm not sure which. It is Mongols. Yeah. It is Mongols. Yeah, we got we got some kind of context for what the fuck that game is, and it looks cool. I'll be playing it. Uh, in games I won't be playing, though, they're making a new Amnesia game. That's uh, cool. I'll probably end up playing it because Amnesia games are terrifying yep. for all the right reasons. Yeah. Like, so this Well one, done. This new one is Amnesia Rebirth. It's kind of like, I've watched the trailer a couple times despite my better judgment. It's got almost a, I want to say Cold War vibe too. It's got like a Soviet look to the dark corridors you are in. But what the fuck do I know? Uh, yeah, I think I, I this series is cool. Its mechanics are cool. I imagine they're not going to like they'll they're obviously they're going to bring some new stuff into it. But I imagine some of the primary mechanics about like. The way fear affects you, basically. Yeah, well, it's going to be the that's same. That game's, that's been that franchise's whole thing. Yeah. But you won't have to wait long regardless. It's coming out in fall. Or autumn, as the trailer says. The spookier description of fall. <laughs> really is. You know, I used... I, I started calling it autumn more often because... Instead of fall, because... When I was... Alright, so when I was teaching... When I was teaching... English in Japan, some of my English friends kept like sort of giving me and, and friends from Australia keep kept kind of needling me is like, it's autumn. <laughs> like, let's teach it as autumn and not fall. Teach it that it can also be fall, but let's let's also teach it as autumn because fall is kind of not an awesome name for it. It's kind of a garbage name for the season, but anyways, that's <laughs> Got a neither here nor there. Yeah. Yeah. What next? You want to talk about Stadia? Sure. Let's talk a little bit about Stadia. So uh, let's prepare for our Stadia block of the week. Uh, the SWS of the Wicked Awesome Cast Stadia Minute. That goes on for <laughs> way more than a minute, unfortunately. <laughs> We're so sorry. We have to keep talking about Stadia. I am still playing it. I have it until close to the end of the month. Yeah. So. For change, we have some neutral Stadia news, I guess is probably the way of describing it. Uh, So Google has opened up a Stadia game studio uh, led by uh, Shannon Studwell, who's a PlayStation veteran. Stud still. Stud still. I'm fucking up. It's up all over the place. Uh, Like a lot of other game studios, it's here in California. It's not clear what they'll be making, but... We have 10 timed exclusives by the end of 2020, so ten? maybe one of those? Oh, oh uh, just timed exclusives in general. Not, oh, yeah. not, oh, not from Google. So, right, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, they're, yeah, I imagine they're probably going to try to get something out before the yeah. end of the year. No real announcements except they're doing that thing. But that kind of leads directly into our next little a bit of Stadia news once I find what the fuck it is on our list. Uh, yeah, so uh, our next one is like uh, 
Division 2 is headed to Stadia with crossplay for PC, which is awesome because that will definitely boost that game's population on Stadia because as, Def- as Destiny has taught us, holy shit, that can be a vacant place. Oh, wow. I mean, I guess it's kind of cool in a sense where I'm exploring, like, when I'm when I'm playing the Stadia version, it's like, I, it's like I am the lone guardian. Yeah. <laughs> I am the savior. I am the uh, chosen it, one because there's no one else here to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's but it's kind of interesting that they're like, no, actually, we want to make sure that it's populated, that we have populated servers. So why didn't you do that, Bungie? I. I suspect for our la- like our last bit of Stadia news, which is that smaller devs have no fucking reason to do Stadia because, hey, it costs money to develop a game for that platform, and Google's not coughing up that much money to incentivize it. Like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, sorry. I was gonna say, like, we think of Bungie as this huge as this huge studio, and it's not. Like, it it's split from Activision. It's so not getting that support. Yeah. Like it is self-publishing Destiny at this point, self-publishing a huge game, but it's just one studio now. Yep. Well, yeah, it's it's a it's a real issue here because the uh, all right. So for most of these AAA larger AAA studios, which Bungie still even split off from Activision, I would argue is still a AAA studio. Yeah, it's a big studio. Um, for them, Stadia just means more income. Just it's just because they're already getting so much income. It's just for them. It's just like it's just a little bit more income there because their main source of income are already sort of mass, you know, pretty massive. Whereas for like these indie developers, it's like it's not worth the time and effort because their teams are kind of strained as it is because it's not very big teams and it's and it's not enough money, like, they aren't going to get enough money off of such of a deal to make it worth developing a Stadia version of their game. So, I mean, that's a real problem. So, I mean, Stadia is not going to be a good platform for indie games, whereas some others have been all right for it. I mean, you know, like, we see indie games coming out on the consoles, for instance. You know, because I guess there is enough good enough incentive money incentive to produce for indie developers to produce from the consoles. But with the way Stadia pays out, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, the AAA studios are fine with it. Is for them, it's just, it's just a little bit of extra dessert on top of the meal they're already making. But for smaller devs, it's just like, it's way too resource intensive and it won't pay off that well. Yeah, I think they literally can't afford to do it. So that's that's a problem for Stadia. Is that could that's a thing that could draw more people in because as we've kind of talked about, it's like a lot of people are playing it on the go, like on a laptop yeah. or on a phone or a or a tablet or whatever. And you know what works better than AAA games on a tablet and a phone? Small indie games. Yeah, I mean that's just a fact. It's just like yeah, I would want to try to attract, you know, some of the smaller indie games to a platform that is going to be played a lot on smaller systems and systems that don't necessarily have a controller and a mouse. And, you know, it's kind of going to be easier if you had small indie games to play on it. So I think that's an issue. I think it's another issue for Stadia that's not going to help it. Yeah. What the fuck is Stadia doing, man? Yeah. 
Yeah, I do think, yeah, I think this is, this could be an actual problem. Like I said, the, the thing people and, you know, like people like a certain crowd of people like to gatekeep about who's a gamer and who's not. But the truth is a whole lot of people are casual gamers. A lot of people play only casual games. Fuck, like, even with my Destiny clan, I am on the casual side. Like, I think of myself as pretty hardcore at the end of the day. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, it's like you can't discount the casual user. And if, like, Stadia wants to get more users, it's going to have to draw in some more of the casual users. And that's only going to happen with greater access to these smaller indie-type games. Yep. I am let's loop back to kind of an ongoing debate for a while like the rise of the epic game stores because they offered financial incentives to use their platform like if, absolutely if really if stadia was smart they'd be doing the same fucking thing it's google yeah you have the like, money yeah it's not like they're hurting right now they're a massive company so they have they already had the built-in infrastructure to do it yeah, they, with so many servers and you know so much just hardware sitting around, you know. So yeah, they they could make it more attractive, but I, their business model for Stadia just seems to be dumb. That's the only way I can really characterize yeah, it. Yeah, I try to avoid kind of burning stuff down to that level, but it really seems like, yo, we have this. It was going to sell itself. What if it doesn't? It'll sell itself. It's that cool. Like, you know, like a few episodes ago, I pointed out the fact that off the bat, they should have, like, packaged it with a fucking Chromebook. Yeah. Is that is it would it would work flawlessly on a Chromebook. I'm it sure should, it does. I would still use it if they had the fucking free version out there. Like, I would have bought Destiny if I had to for that by now. But yeah, it's like there's just so many marketing things that they could have done right like i said it's like the chromebook thing seems like that should have been obvious that you should have said hey we're selling a package that comes with a chromebook because that's a really great platform for it because they're super cheap and it'll run flawlessly on that thing because actually our browser version is better than every other version yeah and so that's even more reason they should have packaged it or at least even marketed it i don't remember seeing a single bit of marketing that was like hey you know, Chromebooks? Remember Chromebooks? It'll work really well on a Chromebook. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, their marketing on this has just been like, how can you be this big and rich of a company and drop the ball so incredibly hard on it's, marketing? Well, so on that topic, if you actually look at what Google's had to do for marketing, what's the last thing it had to market? True. True, they don't really sell like they don't the sell Android products. phone, and they were selling an OS then. Like it's the yeah. Pixel, but the Pixel was already kind of like, hey, it's an Android phone from the fuckers that make Android. So, eh. yeah. Do you like Android? You'll probably like this phone then. Yeah. So yeah, they didn't really have to market the uh, the Google Pixel so hard. They're just yeah, they're just like, hey. An Android phone from the makers of Android. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. You would think that they would, you know, maybe listen to our podcast and get some ideas. 
No, no, they're Google. They have no reason to listen to podcasts that are on their fucking platform. They're the worst platform to get our fucking podcast in. The setup for <laughs> the Google saying. Podcasting Network stuff is the worst of all the options. Like, <laughs> it was my biggest friend. We changed hosting services. That I'm like, man, how is this going to fuck us? And it did. Mm. Yeah. It's fixed now, obviously, but man, mm-hmm. it sucked. Uh, while we're talking about streaming platforms, we got a little, we have yet another update on our kind of our, our our golden boy, the Nvidia GeForce Now experience. Is it 2K or Gearbox that pulled their games? Uh, 2K. I guess Gearbox maybe already had. No, that but... that would be too. I mean, that would be the 2K thing. I think that's. If I was truly cynical, that's because uh, Borderlands launched recently on Stadia, and they want to kind of make sure they're getting their money's worth on that new fancy version they just put out. Also, yeah, there's there's a lot under the 2K banner. Yeah. So, yep, it is. It's, I mean, and we pointed this out before, it really is just a, hey, we'd like people to pay for it again. That's it. That's, re- that's what they're doing here. That's what they want. So, hmm. I, I guess at the same time, let's also not, like, the idea, the the Steam end user license relationship is weird enough that I'm not. I, I don't agree with the devil's advocate stance. I'm about to say I think it's still horseshit, but yeah. I understand the angle of we did not consider this when we like let you buy it on Steam, and that's kind of a. I don't know kind of what the correct response to that is at that point, but I think the correct response is, "Fuck you." Yeah. Um. To them. Uh. Because, there again, I am a point-of-sale doctrine supporter, and I should have always bought more games off of the uh, good old good old games, because... Yeah, you can, yeah I, you, just, you just own those games. You buy it, you own it, and you won't ever have to buy it. You don't have to rebuy it or have to worry about... Yeah, it's just... I hate how the video game industry went completely off the rails on going against point-of-sale doctrine on selling a license to play their game. It's such bullshit. Total and utter fucking garbage. It it still pisses me off a lot. And, yeah, I'm like, if Stadia, or, I mean, if Steam goes away, I guess I just lose all those fucking games. Yep. I guess I'm glad I already have a good, like, library from good old games, so... Yeah, I should probably buy stuff off of good old games a lot more often. And I do. I have I actually have a pretty good good old games library at this point for th- this reason. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> side topic. Yeah. It's relevant enough. Yep. You want to do our uh, COVID-19 slash coronavirus roundup? COVID. So... It's Things time are... for your COVID-19 minute of the week. Yeah. We fucking uh, have this. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing. It's like, as, as you mentioned before, it's like it's hitting the tech sector, especially hard. Yeah. In certain ways. I Charlie's but... hot stock tip of the century. So I'll never do one ever again. Invest in cloud technology. Now in fucking yeah. invest in cloud technology right fucking now, if you have the means to. Yep, we were about to see a massive change in things. Yeah, and then this is accelerating it definitely. 
And so, I mean, we're seeing more cancellations now. So Epic has canceled their Unreal Fest in Europe. Which I didn't which, even know was a thing. Yeah, I didn't know it was a thing. But they're, again, it's just gatherings of people. And they are finding that these cancellations of get big gatherings is making a difference. Yeah. It is making a, a big difference on transmission. Did you hear about so, the fucking Tool fan that, like, tested positive and then still went to a fucking Tool show? Uh, that just pisses me off. It's what I expect from Tool fans. It's what I expect from Americans, I guess. But, anyway. So dumb. But, continuing on with COVID Corner. Uh, so... And this is the this is a part of the oh no first I'll go into all right so COVID researchers are using a video game to help them with to further their research into essentially they're trying to map out the virus itself like the shape of the virus and like on a molecular level I'm saying so they're trying to find a molecular level because they want to you know try to find the structure of it and see how they can deal with. And that'll help them to deal with ultimately, you know, making a good, you know, a treatment and vaccine for it. It could, they could create something that could actually block its interaction. I'm not going to really go into the biology too much into that. You can find some sources to talk about that. But essentially, it's just about, it, it will help them map out what, what a coronavirus actually is. And of course, understanding it better will help them develop, you know, maybe treatments and cures for it. Yeah, so it's, it's, it reminds me of when uh, the EVE community was used to kind of crowdsource, I think it was like mapping some solar system or something, and a real solar system, not a fake one. Yeah, and so what's happening here is there's, there's an idea called, or something called sort of uh, protein folding, and so what they're doing is they're you're using people playing this video game called Fold It to where people are unfolding essentially uh, long chains of amino acids into three-dimensional shapes. And that's and it's at least as good as using a a host of computers to do it, especially when sometimes it's not obvious, like having a computer kind of solve problems in 3D doesn't always work so well. And sometimes it takes a kind of intuition. I, yeah, it's it's a mathematical topology problem is what it comes down to, and and a graph problem, um, and that's why it's kind of tricky to deal with for a computer, like even like a really powerful set of servers work, like just churning on it is sometimes because of the way our brains are really good at just seeing patterns we will be able to take intuitive steps that a computer won't go into because it's trying to brute force it in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, uh, it's been incredibly effective so far. I mean, we don't know if it's going to, if understanding it will lead definitely to a, to a, some sort of a, you know, a sol- you know, better cures or solutions or treatments, but it's certainly a cool use and a great idea for crowdsourcing ideas. Yeah. And utilize, you know, it's like researchers don't always have, you know, the servers of Google to just make something churn on a system, you know, to, to figure to brute force through a solution. 
you know, utilize human, you know, human intellect and creativity. So I think that's a really cool use, but you know, that's the, that's, that's a positive thing. So, all right. And so this is what you alluded to earlier there, as far as COVID causing major changes in just how our, how we see the industry and how things are going to continue from this. And also shifts in how we think about certain aspects of the industry. Like I think it's broad for a sec. Most of us assume if you have a traditional 40, 30, 50, a hundred hour a week job kind of thing, don't, I'm joking about the hundred hour week thing. Please no one start doing that. Most of us have to work in one location. Some of us get to, live the not an office lifestyle and we're thankful for it when we get to but more often than not a lot of companies expect you to show up to some building of some kind put your time and then go the fuck home yep and this is and so the news is the related news is Bungie's activating their remote work policy in response to COVID-19 and so it it is what it sounds like so they are going to they are saying now you have the option to just work remotely and actually we want you to work remotely preferred is what is what this change is and so it's a fully remote work infrastructure and so essentially they're in, you know instituting tools and sort of ways of making it easier but they're just trying to figure out ways of just having you know, to be able to work remotely and it's perfectly possible. So I say this is somebody that I have worked full time remotely. I I worked in a job for two and a half years where it was 100% remote. That is, I didn't have a desk anywhere except at home. Like I didn't have a work desk. I didn't have an office or anything or a cubicle or anything. It was 100% remote. And so that's a thing that you can do in the tech industry. It, since you're not like typically it's one of these positions that's not customer facing. So you're not meeting with people and what meeting you need to do. We can handle with existing tools such as discord and Skype and whatever. There's a lot of things now, uh, other tools other than that, that can keep you in contact and where you can have meaningful meetings with large groups of people. And, you know, it's not quite the same as being there in person, but it's enough to where you can work. You can do have a professional workplace like that. So this is, I think, yeah, I I think it's going to be a major change in the industry and the way people are thinking about remote working. You know, it's like I I, there again, I kind of see why there's a reluctance for it because it's like uh, there is still a feeling that like you know like meetings that face-to-face meetings are can be a good thing but i also think it'd be incredibly good for there's there's even reasons beyond just this you know the whole well not transmitting or making yourself vulnerable to transmission of a of a very dangerous virus but I think there's even social things that can come off of it, such as there are people with social anxiety, proper, hardcore social anxiety that are perfectly like clever, good, hard workers, but aren't like when it comes to social interactions, it gives them 
they have a lot of trouble with it, a lot of anxiety with it. You know, like somebody on the autism spectrum would have trouble with that. And the layer of being able to work remotely actually helps with that. This is a known, this is a known thing. This is actually a known thing that like just having an online account has been very good for people with social anxieties. Uh, being able to have an extra layer of where you can kind of choose your social interactions in a certain sense. So I think that's a good thing that can come off of this. Also, I think some of it, some of the resistance to it is really, how can I say this, cynical. Because I think companies, there's just too many companies with the idea that, well, if we let them go home, they're just going to slack off. And I think that's a dumb perspective to have for people that are making your products at your company that are making your company exist. It's like, why would you assume that? Why would you assume they don't slack off at work now? It's, I do feel like there's a lot of the, lot of, there is a lot of the sort of resistance to it because there is just like, like core sort of corporate sense that, well, they're just going to slack off and not get things done. Well, I guess, I guess if that happens, you can just fire them, but you don't, this is, this is something that's, not even anecdotal, it's hypothetical. Yeah. And like I said, being a person that has done this full time before, one hundred like one hundred percent remote, I worked very hard for the job I had. I worked extremely hard. I put in a lot of extra hours a week. Because being at home didn't have any effect whatsoever on how hard I worked. I one way or the other to make me work harder or less so. I just did the job because that's what I was hired to do. And that's what I do. And that's what most vast majority of people are like. They're just like, I'm here to do a job. And if, and if here means I'm at home and I'm virtually there, it's the same thing. So yeah. Hope. And I guess in a certain sense, I hope this is going to be sort of a, what you, what, you know, what you've been talking about as a sort of an end, a, culture change in a sense. So, yeah. I think it's going to result in people demanding it more. They're like, "Hey, this worked. Why don't we continue to do this?" Well, and I I think it goes beyond like people demanding it. Like the reality is there are a shit ton of jobs and the number is growing that there is no reason to have someone work from an office. There's no requirement for yeah. it. Like I said, if you're not customer facing, you don't need to be there in person. And even if you are, you can still visit with the customer remotely too. Well, I'm like, it's like, oh, but what about meetings? Like, There are a lot of older ways of thinking about things. And like my industry is not ready to go from all of us being in one office for a variety of reasons. But like tech support does mm-hmm. not to be to be in any centralized location anymore. And no. when you decentralize it, you open up the possibility of you don't have to live in so-and-so city. You uh-huh. could move somewhere that's way fucking cheaper to live, get paid the same, or better yet, you start investing in areas that you're like, hey, um, we're gonna uh, like we we're now incentivizing people to hire in, I don't know, like the Appalachian areas of the US that have no new industry coming in, where like I suspect you can train fucking anyone to do Google tech support hypothetically. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's an amazing point. That is a fantastic point. I I hadn't really thought about that at all. Um, that yeah, there is the idea that yeah, it's like now you're no longer location locked. Yeah, when you're remote, 
So, you know, and also I think it'll have the side effect of also being like less pollution from commuters. Yeah. If you're not rolling, if you're not rolling into work, then that's going to be a lot. That's going to be a certain amount less people on the roads for work. A lot of people there again, there's people who are commuting fairly long distance because it is it's too expensive to live close to work. Fuck, I have not taken jobs because when I ran the numbers of how much it was going to cost me and gas and stuff like that, even with a even with like a hourly pay rate increase, I'd wind up making less. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've 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 de- definitely like looked at some jobs, but it's just like that's that's too far away for me. Yeah, it's just it's just too far. I can't commute that far every single day. Like I can't sit on a train for two hours every one way every day. It's just too long. And so yeah, it's and I think yeah, I think it's a huge point that you're pointing out that there are a lot of areas that are sort of because of just the way cities are, and maybe a lot of companies prefer to be in a city one way or the other because of what they do or what we you know. Uh, there's a lot of cities that are starting to get emptied, you know, becoming ghost towns because nobody lives there. Not because they don't like it there, because they need to live near work, like reasonably near where they work. And yeah, this could be a thing to even revitalizing sort of rural America. Like, just think if people could, you know, get the double benefit of, you know, I live kind of where I want to live, you know, and that happens to be in the countryside, I can still do my tech-based job from where I am. I Yeah, I, there's so many benefits that could come from just sort of a, this, a shift in culture, a shift in work culture, and a shift in thinking. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the ramifications of this hypothetically are huge, and I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole because my office is freaking the fuck out about this, and I, it's not necessarily video game related, but like a lot of people are now talking about how this previous week may have been, like, not nearly you're getting laid off kind of way, but for a lot of kind of the big tech companies, this may be the last time a bunch of their employees ever go into work. They're going to stay yeah. employed, but like they're realizing, hey, we don't need to have these giant fuck off campuses. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's it's like there's so much. Yeah, it's expensive. These spaces, workspaces are expensive. Well, and it fucks with other economies, too. Like I, San Francisco's the perfect mm. example of mm. it is so expensive to live there. You have to pay your employees an astronomical fee, which then fucks with everything else in the city going on like it becomes a cascading effect where like all the reasons you want to live there like you want to open up offices in the first place you're actively destroying because mm-hmm. like it's the you have to give your employees lots of money which means now rents can be super high which means you have to give your employees more money yeah just to offset the cost of them being your employees it's a whole weird post dystopia issue yeah it's yeah so yeah that's yeah, we there needs. I think, I think you've hit upon a great point in that this could be a possible solution for the whole like, like a, you know, rural flight, which you know I'm I'm yeah I I did that, which yeah, I did I, that for. I mean, granted, I don't particularly like living in a rural area, but I also wasn't I wasn't like 
hate I don't hate it either. Like yeah, it's like when I go to visit my parents, I'm fine and I've lived there for a while too, even as an adult. Live well, and the, work there. There's but a midpoint between fucking nowhere Oklahoma and LA. Yes. There's a lot of midpoints, in fact. Yes, yes, yeah. Not to say that, yeah, you don't have to go to the extreme and live in a town of less than 500 people. Yeah, but like... There, there's there's midpoints, like, for the instance... The entire like, state of Ohio is arguably a midpoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of smaller cities in Ohio. It's just not... There's not anything particularly gigantic. I'm saying the entire state is a midpoint between those two extremes. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think you've hit upon an amazingly good point that this could be a thing that could, in a, like, in a side effect, revitalize these sort of towns where everybody's desperate to get out, not because they dislike the town, but because they can't find any job opportunities there. I mean, that's really yeah. what's happening if you want to get down to why rural America is just slowly dying more and more. People are leaving not because they don't like it. They're leaving uh, in large part because there's no opportunities there. Yep. And I, I just know this. It's not why I, I left, but I know it's why a lot of other people left that would be pretty happy living in a smaller city, if not just even like a rural, a rural town like I'm yeah. from. We'd like an in-between. Yeah. In fact, we will do well with an in-between, hypothetically. Yeah. So yeah, I think the a rise of remote work could do wonders for for the economy because it will raise you know there again you know you get people making a good amount of money living in these medium sized cities it could very much revitalize the economy yeah but we're way off the video game track at this point yeah. Back to video games, our, our, our niche, if you will. Yeah. Uh, kind of our last of our disease talk, if you will. Uh, the APA has once again gotten out there and clarified there is no proven link between video games and aggressive and or violent behavior. Yeah. And so while they say that video games have been shown to, like, it can have aggressive behavior that can arise from playing a video game, there's no strong causal link between the aggressiveness coming from a video game and violent behavior. Translation, your douchebag friend that throws controllers would do that for anything of that same competitive nature. Yeah, but it also means that the douchebag who throws controllers isn't going to necessarily be the dude that goes out and, like, beats somebody up in real life or harms somebody worse, you know, or, you know, worse murders. Well, he might. It's It's just not video games' fault at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, but, I mean, even, like, you know, a lot of people who... We'll get angry at a video game and be, feel aggressive, whatever. Are still highly unlikely to go out and do anything actually violent as a result of that aggressive aggressiveness. Yep. So yeah, but yeah, good. I'm glad because there again, it's just it's good when an official, very well respected source comes out and says, "Yeah, let's tamp this down and treat it for what it is." You know, and let's get away from the sort of fear mongering. So if, when we actually deal with real problems such as, you know, we have talked about video game addiction, you know, we get away with the get just do away with the dumb rhetoric that doesn't help the conversation at all. So, yeah, good. In case people don't know what the APA is, that is the American Psychological Association. But, 
Let's talk about EA for a little bit. Mm. Um, we're not going to talk about EA in our normal fashion, I guess. Uh, we, uh, I, I was accused lately of this podcast being a tad left-leaning, and for those of us that think that, the podcast isn't officially. Henry sure as fuck is, but we make fun of EA because EA engages in shitty business practices. And Yeah. I don't think you have to be a leftist to think that EA has some pretty terrible business practices. Yeah. I think it's it's criticism from literally anybody. Yeah, I, this is not a political thing. This is a to use the Activision example, don't post records, don't don't fucking post record earnings year and then fire 800 people. Yeah. That's just a bad look no matter who you are. And Yeah. That, that, so this leads us kind of into uh, the, our, our latest kind of what the fuck is going on at EA topic, which is uh, the FIFA 2020, uh, the latest mm. of the FIFAs, uh, a game that no one on this podcast, past, present, or future, will probably ever play in a meaningful way just because, A, we're Americans, we don't care about FIFA, and B, it's a sports game, and we all like the space shooty things or the fantasy shooty things or uh- the... Uh, I'm a person. I've played Pro Evo. I've I've played Pro Evo. Good God, we let you Which, on this podcast. But yeah, I, well, I mean, I actually still watch soccer sometimes. I That's mean, fair. I, I should you, be, you watch judge. You watch hockey. I watch soccer. I don't have the time to watch soccer. But yeah, I don't watch it yeah. that often. But I mean, the, yeah. So I. But I never really got. I, yes, I uh, never got into FIFA. But anyway, back jokes to the news. about the soccerness of things. Sorry, the footballs, the rest of the world calls it, not just our backwards-ass country on this topic. Yeah. Uh, so, the latest, the latest FIFA game has been notoriously kind of plagued with a variety of blugs, uh, not blugs, but maybe they should be called blugs, uh, bugs, glitches, kind of, uh, not quite the most recent WWE game, but of that ilk, I think like the most famous recent one Actually, you put in the news notes for this is that the game's netcode is so bad that an obvious like goal didn't get counted. And what's worse is that was for a a professional tournament, like a pro tournament. That was a pro tournament guy who lost out in the tournament, like got dumped out of the tournament in a penalty shootout because one of the goals that clearly went in didn't get counted. Like it's like it hits hits the net. It goes in and hits the net. But it didn't count because the net code is garbage. And so they lost that penalty shootout because penalty shootouts are going to be close always. And if you lose one, you're prob- if you miss one, you're probably not going to win. Yeah. So, yep, that's the thing that happened. I'm not sure if it's worse than the other thing that happened uh, in there again in, a, in pro games, in, in pro in the pro leagues for FIFA. Uh, they decided to match by paper, rock, scissors. That's, that's how bad it got. So they're like, literally two people are going paper, rock, scissors to play each other. They could, because they couldn't get the match going at all. And, but the tournament still has progressed. They can't just say, all right, I guess we're just going to postpone the tournament forever and make everybody else wait. So they just did paper, rock, scissors to decide the game. That's that's so bad. Now our our savvier listeners are probably sitting there going, "Okay, yeah, they're punching down at FIFA for a change. They typically don't do this because 
They don't care about FIFA. Why are you using this specific example as uh why'd you give that whole kind of lead in to remind us that like EA is a <laughs> shitty company? Well <laughs> And um. I, I really wish I was making this one up, but this is not even the first FIFA game that you really could make the argument that this is just them not paying for beta testing and knowing everyone's gonna fucking buy it and they can kind of fix it as time goes on. It's just maybe the worst example of this lately. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, go, go, please, ex- expand upon that. Alright, so, quite literally, EA has entered into a relationship with the player base of FIFA 20 to test and fix their netcode, essentially. Like, you know that term we just mentioned? It's not like an isolated instance of this. Like, apparently this game online has been all fucking over the place. And so, specifically, it's going to be a new overlay. Like, an actual in-game thing. So they are putting beta testing tools, like QA tools, like, like this is the type of things that you'll see in QA, stu- QA sections, <laughs> is specific tools for reporting on things like connectivity issues and button inputs and things like that. So this is this is literally what you usually pay people to do. Uh, let's just say that companies already, on a side note, companies already don't value their QA, QA departments nearly enough. But now, yeah, they're just openly saying, hey, we want you to be our QA studio for free, or our QA department for free. And, like, this isn't some just, like, little report button thing. This is some, like, legit logging what you were doing at the time shit went down system. Yeah. Like I said, this is a proper QA system that they're just making, giving into the public, and they're calling it a uh, feature. Just, you know, it's like, you know, surprise mechanics. It's not, it's not beta testing. It's, it's game participation. You're part of the development now. Yeah. (sighs) I, so if you're kind of sitting there going, okay, what does this actually mean? You said a lot of words soup at this point. This is essentially not just unpaid beta testing. This is beta testing you are paying to do. And we're not talking like those closed or early access betas that act as demos for the game. Those aren't real betas. Those are kind of spun off builds that are meant to generate hype. This mm-hmm. is straight up beta testing. So. If you play a lot of FIFA and enable this option, which I think you have to, but I'm not totally sure. As far as I'm concerned, you can now put beta tester under EA on your resume. Yeah. Yeah. It is slimy. And it's just there again, I think it's just sort of like it's a slap in the face to QA testers around the world because it is a thankless horrible job. Also, oh, you am- have a uniquer perspective on this than most people do. Like, I know we have the general public perception of being a QA in video games is, like, both a dream job and also, like, a dark nightmare that you should never go down. But, like, you worked as a dev. What is the relationship between devs and beta testers? Like, they're um, pretty involved in a weird way in development, ultimately. QA. QA. Yeah. The QA department. We love our QA department. We hit, we always like any good studio, any good stu- any good studios devs have a wonderful relationship with their QA department. It's the higher ups that usually 
kind of like see them as disposable because they don't realize how valuable that is until they don't have it. Well, because on paper, they're getting paid to play video games. But when it comes down to it, it is, all right, let me give you a scenario. Opening a door 200 times in a row and recording each interaction. And if they vary at all, you got to report it. Oh, yeah, no. If if one of those 200 times of opening the same door repeatedly over and over again, making sure that the everything else in the environment is the same. So it's a proper test. That's that's typically a a job that a QA tester will do. If you know what you're looking for, like uh, there was a chunk of time where a lot of QA testers were getting into streaming and they never said they were QA testers when they're kind of full time job life. But if you know what you're looking for, this I can I can almost with 100% accuracy tell you if someone used to work as a QA tester based on how they search a room. Yes. But yeah, it is. Yeah, they are. They the things that they do is mind numbing, but absolutely vital, because if one of those 200 times they happen upon a pretty major bug, they have just saved the game. Like, you know, opening that door 200 times, if they find out something deep within the code, that's an issue. Yep. It's like, hey, you just saved us. You just you've improved the code. You've helped us to improve the code, possibly save the game, period. And so, yeah, Uh, by the way, uh, a lot of those people that that uh, Activision got rid of in that 800, a lot of QA people just saying. Uh, don't expect the next games that they're putting out to be well tested. It'll be interesting. Yep, I'm just that's that's what they do. They see them as disposable. When in fact, us devs are always like, "What are you doing? Don't get rid of our testers. We literally need them. We need them so badly. So dumb." <sighs> yeah. So yeah, that's but yeah, that's the thing. It's like. And this is EA just shoveling off the costs on to so that you now, like you said, you get to pay. Not only are you not getting paid to be a beta tester, you are paying for the privilege of being a beta tester, a Q, to be their QA department. And so, like what when we're, we're kind of dancing around this comment, but like the big comment is like being a QA tester kind of sucks. Yeah. Oh, it sucks hard. That's why I value them so much. It's you same get to like, gaze into the nightmare of game design. Like or you, yeah, like you, you get you don't get to play. You get to play the broken parts of the game. Is there again? It's like another thing that'll happen is if a part of the game is kind of seen as for some reason not working or broken, you get to play that broken thing over and over again until you get some good test data from it. So you get to play the most horrendous versions of the game. So it's like, yeah, you're playing video games every day, but you're playing them in their worst state. It it would... I'd say it's equivalent to being like a taste tester for food scientists. Yeah. You get to... You have to deal with the worst versions of the food. Sometimes you get to eat the Baconator breakfast sandwich, but most of the time... You get to eat the rejected things that could have been the Baconator breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. That's, yeah. Yeah, it is a thankless job. And now 
they're ah oh god, it's just yay being slimy. It's like hey EA, how about you not be garbage? Like not just I'm not I I've lowered my bar pretty far. It's like I'm I'm not expecting you to be good. I just want you maybe just be not total hot fucking garbage. That'd be a thing. Yeah, I, it's it's weird. Like because they. It's almost like the whole sports part of EA and the rest of the company are two separate companies, which I actually get the impression they kind of are. Well, with companies of the size yeah. that EA is now, it really is. Yeah. No, I mean, like, even beyond that, like, I, like some companies, will, like, Activision's occasionally guilty of transferring people around, like, when need be and stuff like that. Like, to get out of EA Sports is you have to leave the company. There's no transferring out. Like, once you're there, you're family. Yeah, it's, I, I don't think they have a very good way of, like, for instance, if somebody was in there, you know, working on FIFA, but they wanted to move over to Bioware. Blood into FIFA, blood out of FIFA. <laughs> uh, yeah. Weird and bad. Thanks, EA. <laughs> yeah, wow. Ugh. Times we live in. Uh, so, again, this is not something we typically cover, but we don't cover the cover streamer news, if you will, but a, a streamer by the name of, I'm hoping you can pronounce this one better than I can, because... I don't know. Uh, I don't watch this person. Pokimane? We'll I go with that. I has signed an exclusivity deal to stay on the Twitch platform. I think this is the first one of this? Is it's been more of people being paid to go to Mixer yeah. so far instead of to stay on Twitch. I think Twitch is starting to realize that mm, we probably need to keep people here. So I was reading something weird that basically equated to like the top shit on Twitch has nothing to do with video games anymore. Like, the, like it's oh yeah yeah the most popular videos are not even video games anymore. They are of of. IRL category stuff, I think. And not to slide the... And just chatting category. Not to out myself as a neckbeard too hard. I'm looking at this woman's channel now, and I cannot fucking tell you what it is that she streams. I'm seeing Counter-Strike, I think, but that's like one video amongst a bunch of other shit. Yeah, I... There is... the. It, she does a lot of the just chatting stuff. She she does play video games, so she's not just mainly a just chatting person, but I think she does an awful lot of just chatting stuff. Um uh I mean yeah she does she does let's plays is what she really does. Um but yeah there's an awful lot of it which is just chatting as well and IRL which are two categories that exist now. That shouldn't. Yep. Yeah it's just I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a sort of a gatekeeper type of person, but I don't know. Uh, I Well, I think she does enough Let's Plays where it's like, yeah, that's, it's relevant. But there's definitely other streamers that do more just chatting in IRLs than they ever do of playing games. And so that's a little bit like, why are you here? But anyways, you just, you just have to roll with the change the changes so but yep but anyway yep yeah it's just kind of weird i this one up on our news because i thought the whole idea of twitch having to pay someone 
to stay. And especially, I really do think this is like the last, like the first like exclusivity deal for Twitch. Yeah. And she's going to make a lot of money off of this. Like they haven't announced how much they've paying her as far as I can tell. Yeah. You know, to stay, but they'd be they smart def- not to. Yeah. Because they kind of like mixer kind of did reveal how much they're going to pay Ninja to move over. Yeah. Well, and like, it's weird. We're announcing how much Twitch is prepared to pay someone to stay on Twitch. Bad move. Oh, yeah. You'll just have everybody asking for that. Announcing how much you're willing to pay someone to get off Twitch and come to your less utilized platform. Good move. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, you know, it's it's a weird thing here. It's definitely a kind of a odd thing. Yeah. Yep. But last but not least, we have some uh, s- some neutral news. We've, I know we've had a lot of kind of one side or the other news this week. This one's just straight up neutral, if you will. Uh, more Flash games are being preserved via the Strong Museum and Congregate. Congregate being a, you know, a, it's a well-known portal for Flash games, so yeah. it makes a lot of sense. So, but that's good there again. I mean, we've already gone into length and discussed this, but it's just, I, I think it's good that, you know, more people are getting involved with it because Indeed. I think it, it is, it is an important part of video game history. Yes. Filthy casuals are important too. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, uh, but yeah, we've already kind of gone at length and discussed about why we think that it's especially important, but yeah, I think that's cool. I think it's really neat. I think it's a great idea that more people are getting involved with. Like they're going to do a similar thing where they're just basically going to store it, you know, store the digital version, yep. you know, and metadata, uh, as well as the associated metadata, which is also interesting. And this, because the metadata will help to categorize and classify it for later research. Like if somebody, uh, all right. So the idea of metadata is things like action game, RPG, you know, or, you know, what, you know, what's, the data associated with the game, which will make it so that it's not just one big blob of just here's games, yeah. but here's the action games. Here's the clicker games. Here's the, you know, whatever type of game, you know, different types of genres and different type of metadata you can associate with them. So that's going to, I think it is interesting that they are making it a point that they say, we're also bringing in the metadata and that's, that will help for any future research. I mean, that's, you know, it'd be ridiculous if you walked into a library in their nonfiction section and everything was just like in one big block of just like you you couldn't just go to the history section or, you know, go to the, you know, go to the biographies section. It's just everything's just mixed. Yeah, that'd be that would be a nightmare. But yeah, in this case, it is. uh, Yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting. Cool that they're also going to leave in a way to categorize this stuff. And so it's, so it's actually organized. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I've worked with sort of metadata and it's, it's metadata is the most important thing when it comes to search and search algorithms and stuff. So as you know, searchable databases and such. So I, I'm pretty familiar with the idea of metadata and how vital it is in a lot of ways yeah it's i'm not sure what you would do with it in this case but 
Well, yeah, like I said, like if you needed to go back like a library and like I want to do a report on action games of the 1993 or something, you know. Yeah, sorry. I guess it's more like who is doing that or like what purpose that serves in some ways. But game game historians. No, sure. Yeah, that's really what this is for. I mean, and just a cultural historian in general, because there are. I mean, I've I've taken classes with anthropologists that are specifically about sort of capturing the popular culture of an era, not just what people kind of consider the fine arts, but also like stuff that's not considered as, you know, in a certain sense, serious, you know, that is more on the entertainment side rather than the high art side. You know, I, there, I don't really care about gatekeeping on that sort of an idea. Uh, you know, on like what's fired art and what's casual. It's like it's all entertainment. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's going to be. It's going to be a part of sort of the cultural historians, anthropologists, that type of data. And I think, you know, I'm not as familiar with the field of anthropology. Even though, I mean, I've taken courses in it and stuff. I, I I've been interested in the subject, but I think that we're going to increasingly have people that are studying anthropology, studying the anthropology of, you know, games, of games as a subculture, you know, sort of video communities that have revolved around certain games and certain types of games. Like, I think an incredible, I'm sure that they've already written some, I'd have to do some research, but, like, for instance, writing about the cultural impact of World of Warcraft and, like, the culture of, you know, the clans and stuff that have, you know, online, you know, created entirely online, you know, important, you know, meaningful personal uh, relationships that have been built entirely online. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think this is, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fascinating and I think it's good that we are trying to preserve this because that's the thing. It's like, I mean, that's why I think like DOSBox as a tool is invaluable because it's allowing people to go back and you'll know, review and play and check out some of these games that existed in the DOS era of video games. So yeah. Yeah. <sighs> That's it for news this week. We do have some emails though. Hmm. Awesome. Four of them to be precise. Maybe only three, because I'm not sure we can answer one of these questions ourselves. Actually I think we need Alex for it. Yeah, all right. But, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. If you wanted to send us an email, Henry, what email address would you send it to? That would be wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Again, that is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spells it sounds down the show notes. Set to rah, set to rah. This one comes in specifically for you. I believe all our emails are anonymous this week, but I'll... If I'm wrong about that, I will correct that as we go. Hey, Henry, Mm. I recently found myself falling down a click hole about farm equipment hacking. Not (laughs) sure if you if you three are familiar with the term, but uh, but for reference, I'm talking about the trend and practice of farmers essentially jailbreaking their increasingly software driven farm equipment so they can do repairs to stuff like combine harvesters and tractors. Henry, you grew up on a farm. Ever have to do any of this? Not yet. Um, I think with maybe some of the newer stuff that my dad has got, it might end up having to do some of that stuff, but not yet. 
Um, I guess it's because my dad is closer to retirement than not. He's not buying new equipment. Yeah, he's not really buying that much new equipment as he used to. But I'm very, very familiar with this, the idea of, let's just say John Deere as a company is especially guilty of this. Yeah, I I did a little research myself because I forgot this was happening, and it seems like John Deere is the worst, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah, they've been bad about this all along, just before the technological things getting in the way, just making a lot of proprietary stuff that you can only buy at a John Deere store. And like, you know, the whole voiding of warranties if you work on it yourself and, you know, mm. things like that. And it's, if you ever worked on a, uh, on a farm, it's just things go wrong because it's just shit breaks. Shit breaks because there's dust fucking everywhere. It's, it's, that's, you, you are in dirt if you're a farmer. That's, that's just, that's just a reality of the situation. You're going to be constantly surrounded by dirt all the time everywhere. So that gets into everything. And dirt is a corrosive. It just, just, and plus stuff will sit out in the rain and everything else that exists in nature that you just have to deal with. That isn't particularly great for mechanical equipment, which we use and you have to use if you're going to do anything of any real volume. So yeah, it's, I haven't had to specifically deal with the hacking of stuff yet. And I may not have to may or may not, depending on, you know, if my dad picks up something new enough that will require jailbreaking. But yeah, John Deere has been pretty guilty of this for a while. Uh, they, they have just sort of, yeah, like I said, just proprietary and weird stuff about warranties and all that type of jazz, which doesn't work well for actual farmers in actual fields. It's dumb. I mean, I've I've worked on tractors myself, or at least minimally helped my dad while he was doing so. I'm aware of, yeah, as a farmer, you you can't afford take your tractor into, like, John Deere all the time. Because A, you're probably not particularly close to a dealership or a John Deere store or dealership. Um and so because and it's a pain to do it because tractors don't go very fast on the road and you and as a general average farmer, you probably don't have like a huge flat bag bed semi to carry to like load it up on if you you know wanted to take it down on like a highway <laughs> so yeah that's the thing this is a real thing and yeah it's i guess the problem's only gonna get worse so yeah that's uh, but yeah the roundabout way no i haven't had to yet but yeah it's gonna be a problem and i may end up having to help my dad out with something like that because He's not a computer guy. He's just not. And even though my my mother is pretty good with, you know, decent, you know, has a decent ability with computers. There's a big gap uh, between good with technology and capable of jailbreaking a computer. Yeah. It's like she can do an awful lot on a computer, but it's like that's 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 a that's a big jump in sort of what you know about how did yeah it's just it's that's a that's a really highly technical thing to do yeah i can build a computer and i still text you and alex occasionally with like why the fuck is my network doing this <laughs> but yeah so but yeah 
Thanks for the email, Anonymous. Next email, also Anonymous. Dear Wicked Awesome Cast, how long do you think it is from the launch of Half-Life Alex until they offer a VR-free patch? I don't have a VR headset, but really want to play the game, and it seems like Valve has typically been smarter than just to leave money on the table like this. Hmm. Seeing as Valve makes a VR headset, I don't actually know it will be that soon. Yeah, I I agree. I think I'd be willing it, to bet it'll be a mod. That does it. Yeah, I. Yeah, because the thing is, it's going to obviously have some stuff that's very very specific to the can type of control system, the three D control system that you have in VR games. That is, that's why it's just yeah. There's just a very uniquely. 3D control system that's very difficult to replicate with anything other than just VR controls or a VR like control, like a you know, something like a PlayStation Move, you know, or or a Wii controller, you know, yeah, but uh, that tracks motion in three dimensions. So, yeah, I still don't get why I do, but also like the fact that it's like, no, we're not doing a not VR version that feels like a problem potentially. I'm with you. It, it feels like a bad choice. I, I think like if Valve was smart, they'd get like a month in and go, okay, fine. Here's also the VRless version. But mm-hmm. I also have never developed for a VR game, and I'm assuming it's relatively simple to make that switch. I don't think it is. No, no, it's not. I I have, and no, it's not. Yeah, that would be I. There again, it's. There's a fundamental difference between using like keyboard and mouse or and or like a controller of some yeah. type versus controls that are naturally moving in three dimensions. Well, so this is going to sound ignorant potentially. Do you develop like if you were to do a game that does both, like do you assume you can always test in VR or do you have like for checking like your collision boxes and stuff a like a basic non-VR version you could in theory like spin up to a more real version over time. If you're making a VR game, you're testing in VR. Ah, okay. There's there's no real way to, there's not a good way of testing it I figured you'd check like rooms at least, like make sure you don't fall through the floor at random and non that, but just for a jump scare perspective. Uh, it'd be difficult to do. It's, you're typically going to be testing it in VR. And so, all right, so this is the thing. It's like, it's e- it's relatively easy to go from sort of game for a, for a non-VR game to a VR game. Like, sure. uh, like taking the 2D controls and just making the 2D controls somehow work in a 3D environment. That's easy. Going the opposite way is the tough thing. Because like I said, now you're going from 3D to 2D controls, essentially, in a sense. That, like I said, like the 3D, con- the... VR controls are naturally just existing and controlling in a 3D way in a sort of a, in a certain way, a natural way, natural input. And so there's a lot of trouble going back from, and they even mentioned this. I remember there's an article that mentioned this going back from specifically VR style controls to a, to a, what is a 2D interface? Joysticks and keyboard mouse are 2D interfaces. That's that's not something that's going to be easy to do, and I'm going to say for most VR games, it's you could I would call it just impossible. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's not a, yeah, going the opposite direction. That's not a thing that's easy to do. So yeah, that's, it's just, I don't know how to describe it better without going into the technical aspects, but it's just the idea of just going back from a 3D based controller to a 2D based controller. Uh, that's, I don't even like to think about that. I'm not even sure how you'd pull that off. Like if it's a game that doesn't necessarily have as many specifically 3D interactions, maybe, but with a game where it's like you're picking stuff up, like you're moving your hands independently, like both hands, and that's expected of the game. And then there's not a way to really replicate that with a mouse and keyboard or with a controller. Uh, yeah, I don't see how that could... Uh, I, I, I'm going to say that I don't think they will. I seriously don't think that, that Valve will ever put out a non, non-VR non version of Half-Life Alex. So that's my take on it. Yeah, sounds logical to me. I, Yeah, I think like it's they're trying so hard to make this like the VR game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Last email of the week, because the fourth email I realized we can't answer without Alex. Mm. Apologies if I'm confusing you with another podcast. I believe mm. in the past, a running joke on the podcast was the idea of uncomfortable gaming truths. Definitely sounds like us. <laughs> I recently realized that the 200 plus game collection I have now lugged from apartment to, to apartment is a giant waste of space since in the 10 plus years I've been hauling it around with me. I have maybe once or twice actually used it. I personally blame backwards compatibility, and I'm excited about the possibility of the new consoles becoming backwards compatible, but I do wonder if that you have any new uncomfortable gaming truths you would like to share. Uh, dude, gaming collections are a thing you should not have anymore. I, I, I'm going to throw that one out there. Just go digital. Yeah, it sucks because a lot of these games, there just isn't a digital version of them. Like building off of that, if you own a, like, I am an idiot for owning physical copies of Destiny Two. There is no fucking reason <laughs> to ever own a digital, a, a physical copy of a game that always requires internet connection. There just isn't. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, I assume you got like a nice deluxe edition where other stuff came with. Oh it. yeah, no, I, I. That's the point. I, every year, I treat myself to the stupid expensive edition of destiny 2 like the dumbest thing i've owned right now in some ways and it's a whole multi-level of dumb because i've never even bothered finishing the game is the borderlands 3 collector's edition box thing that came in a literal loot crate i enjoy the box more than i enjoyed that game ultimately (laughs) but it came with a it came with a game container with a fucking download code in it yep Hmm. Yep, that's a thing. Yep, that's yeah. It's yeah, like I said, it just kind of it would be a different thing if maybe companies like let's say that you own a version of a game in a physical form, if they would generally allow you to just uh, like just say, "All right, I have this game and I have the codes for it, whatever. Can I just have the digital version now?" That would that would be nice. Yeah. But it's it's rarely been done. I'm not going to say it's never, but it's really rarely done where you can just say, I have this game already. I bought it. Can I... I just want the digital version of it because I, I'm sick of lugging around the physical version of it. I mean, this is, this, is, this is practically a reason for people to maybe 
rip ISOs of all of their games and yeah. then just save it on their hard drive. Unless, you know, you know, there again with the box set stuff. Yeah, if you got nice stuff with it, if you have a literal cool loot crate that it sits in or other things, yeah, sure. But, you know, I have my box, my, uh, I, I'm just looking over to the left here at my game collection. I have a Sakura Wars 2, Sakura Tyson 2, a Saturn box box set thing that came with a mouse and a mouse pad and some other cool stuff like that that came with the game. Um, the Sega mouse for the Saturn. And, yeah, but yeah, uh, but some other games that I, you know, most of the games I have are just, it's just a, a kind of dumb box. Yeah. And, I mean, it's one of the reasons why Despite having a good collection of Genesis games, I also have a pretty healthy collection of Genesis games on my Steam account because I, well, I bought, I found some good sales when they're running sales on that. And I just bought like, you know, 20 games at the same time for like five bucks yeah. rather than having to shell out something like, you know, 200 if I was to buy them physically. So, yeah, yeah, it's, just, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, if when you put the, yeah, I wanted, you know, I'd like to say go digital, but also a lot of that stuff probably isn't digital. There probably isn't a new version out on it even that you could buy again on any of the stores. So that's a shame. Yeah. It's like people that still have CDs. <laughs> yeah, I recently stopped myself actually from buying CDs. I I, I buy albums ver- on, on Bandcamp. Yeah, I, I've made that weird shift over to I now have a vinyl collection and no record player. <laughs> yeah. I like having something for big releases of things I care about. But yeah, I actually, yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, the all in all of my newest albums that I bought have been like through something like Bandcamp or Google or you know Amazon or you know whatever service they happen, you know, that artists happen to have their stuff on. Um, I personally like prefer buying through Bandcamp, but you know, if I have to buy it through the you know, the Apple store, I'll do that too. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a thing. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't bought a CD in a long time, to be honest, but I've definitely bought albums. Absolutely. I've bought several albums. Like I bought one of a band called always not too long ago because I liked sure. the newest album. So, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, it's it, but it is a weird transition. And it's kind of like there again. You kind of touched upon this. It's nice to have something you a a thing you can feel like when you're talking about with the albums, the vinyls. It's like yeah, it's kind of cool to have something you can pick up and look at and say, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. I just like the art. Yeah, but the Spurs did not ask us about our weird collections of things. They asked us if we have uncomfortable gaming truths. Um, okay. Yep. Hmm. Well, I guess one the one thing we already hit upon is you don't own most of your games. Yeah, definitely that one. But I know we t- we say that enough. I'm not sure that's a new revelation on this. Yeah, one. that's not that's not a new revelation. Um, only PC gamers care about how much better their PCs are than consoles. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hmm. Let me. Also, think. at the same time, um, mouse and keyboard is a crutch to make up for your shitty skills potentially. Hmm. Let me think. All right. Uh, I think I already kind of 
I uh, kind of talked about this today, but as a hardcore gamer, you're still in the same boat with the filthy casuals. You're all gamers. Yep. You're not. You're not any better. That's not. It's just a fact. Like. Yeah, that's just a fact. It is a truth, but I think it's a truth. Arguably, that- you're worse off too, because you're like looking down your nose, and you have to have hardcore things in your life, like. Fuck, I have Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal coming out on the same day, and I'm equally excited for both. It's like, yeah! Gonna play that Animal Crossing! Yeah! Gonna play that Doom Eternal! Yep. I should actually swap the two. It's, yeah! Gonna get a second mortgage in a video game! Yeah! Gonna kill some demons! (laughs) Yep. Um, Other uncomfortable gaming truths. Hmm... That's a, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. And uh um you're probably never going to play most of your classic collection ever again. Yeah. Like building off that honestly once a console generation's over unless you like have a reason to hold on to that console more than I might want to go back to those old games, just fucking sell your console. Yep, sell your old consoles. Probably never going to use them again. Yeah. And I'm even saying this as I'm looking to my left here, and it's like, there's my NES and my Sega Master System and my Genesis. Yeah. And I really don't use them that often, in part because, A, I already mentioned that, yeah, I have most of my Genesis games on my Steam account at this point. There's only a couple of them that I own here that aren't available in Steam. And so, yeah. Um, Also, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if I have a digital version of it, I'm not going to go back and pull out the, the hard version of it. Uh, because it's like, why? If I'm just playing casually. Yeah. You know, it's a little different with my Sega Master System because there's pretty much no place I can play those games. But also, oh man, most, this is the other uncomfortable gaming truth. Your nostalgia is rose-tinted glasses. Your nostalgia is making things seem better than they were. Don't go back and play your old games, you're gonna Golden be Island, sorely... Nintendo dis- 64 wasn't a good game in hindsight. Yeah, don't... You're gonna be disappointed with your with your nostalgia for your older games. And so... Uh, just play a newer game that has a bit of a nostalgic feel. It's like, don't bother really maybe going back and playing or picking up a copy of Symphony of the Night. Just play Bloodstained. It has... Uh, we've, I mean, we gave it our, you know, biggest award kind of that we have because it's, it's just, it's doing everything the older Castlevania games did, but also it's a game for a new era that takes into account, hey, things have changed and gotten better since then. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I have games here that have, that don't, I mean, I, and I even have a very selective, kind of handful of titles here sitting here in, in my collection. It's just like, and even those I'm like, uh, I rarely ever get around playing those games because, Oh, I got another one. Yeah. Shitting on popular games like Fortnite because they're popular. doesn't impress anyone. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of goes along with the whole gatekeeping thing. It's like, you're, you're not cooler than anybody else for just, shitting on a popular thing it's like yeah it's it's a dumb gatekeeping idea Epic game store isn't actually bad no <laughs> yep 
and yelling it at the internet doesn't make it so. Yeah. Alex saying it is. That makes it bad. Um, I can't think of any others that we haven't discussed that aren't all obvious, you know, like Activision hates you or, you know, uh, or most AAA companies don't give a flying fuck about you. I know. Playing Destiny makes you a worse person is something I'm willing to endorse. <laughs> as a joke, but... Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Nah, I... That's our latest round of Uncomfortable Gaming Truths, I guess. Thank you for the letter. Yeah, thank you for writing in. I, I guess our teaser for next week, if you will, is uh, it's about The Matrix 4. Yeah, I gotta hear. Oh, yeah. This is gonna be good. Yep. Actually, do you want to answer this one and then I'll have Alex answer it next week, too? Like, part of me kind of thinks that this might be fun without Alex. Mm. I don't know. It'd be. I think it'd be a lot more fun. I kind of feel like it'd be a lot more fun if he. No, was yeah, no. Here I just want to answer this. I think because you had a good reaction to Matrix Four. I'm getting. Yeah, it will be more fun with Alex. I, I apologize for getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I, I do. Just, I yeah, just like a clean podcast inbox, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you all for writing in, Matrix Four guy or girl. We will get to you next week. Yep. Yeah, when Alex is back, assumably. God, I hope he's back. That would. Be a sign of dark things to come, potentially. Yep. But yes, that does it for our podcast this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to start doing this at the beginning of the podcast, I think, as part of the intro, but uh, we don't do this often, but we probably should, and we're coming up on episode 200 again, so it's been a while since... Not again, we're coming up on a big milestone again. That's what I meant to say. So if you enjoy the podcast, it is super appreciated if you go and like us or whatever the equivalent is star thumbs up uh smiley poop emoji face whatever the fuck it is on your preferred platform of choice our podcast i know it doesn't seem like a not not have to do each episode even just like the podcast in general like a positive review or just a positive whatever the fuck the equivalent of it is on your platform of choice does a huge thing for our numbers and all that jazz and yeah, I, I try not to make a habit of making these an ongoing effort, but hey, 200's in the future. near. It's coming up in the near future. We have a couple of surprises planned for it, and yeah, I uh, we'll start, we'll probably around episode 195. I'm going to stop doing emails. We may try and do a full just email show for episode mm. 200, because that might be fun. <laughs> but also, we might just do a normal podcast, because business is normal and life is a nightmare. But mm-hmm. we'll see what happens that week, potentially. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, no, go like us, whatever the right word is, on your platform. It makes a huge difference. Uh, it makes our analytics happy. It makes me happy. Or it makes me unhappy, whichever you prefer me being. It makes Alex and Henry <laughs> happy. They're generally neutral people. They'll have make want to have happy. And helps this podcast do its thing. Um, yeah, I thank you for listening, as always. Anything you want to talk about before we close it out? Um... Uh, nothing really comes to mind. I'm now that I've shilled. Still, I'm probably not going to be streaming too much. I don't think. I mean, I'm still on social media as Kraken Zero on Facebook and Instagram, and on but yeah, and my Twitch is Nomad Har. But yeah, there again, it's like I will. I'll know when the next time I'll be streaming again is. Um, but I'll definitely be. I always post about it when I do, and I'll probably try to get in advance. I should get in the habit of streaming or something, but I just haven't. 
I guess I'm I haven't had anything. You can with your hobbled system, in all honesty. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's I think I'd just be dropping frames like crazy if I was trying to play anything. And so, yeah, not having a good video card is a kind of getting in the way of streaming well. So, yeah. Um, uh, that's probably why some of the last times I streamed have been either of, like, a console, like a NES, which is not as demanding on my system as stream, yeah. and then IRL stuff of me making costumes. So, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I will be posting on there as well as the occasional thing I feel like saying on social media, but thank you. Thank you, everybody that already follows me. Yeah. That's pretty much it for me. That does it for this week. Cue the medal. <laughs>